0: Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go!
1: A quick word from our sponsor, The Door Devil. Homeowners spend hundreds on alarm systems each year, but rarely reinforce the weakest point on the home, the doors. Bad guys know this, and that's why kick-ins are so common. Simply adding door devils virtually eliminates the home security gap. Sleep better tonight. Reinforce your doors. Visit DoorDevil.com and enter Best Ever to get an exclusive 20% discount on your purchase. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Chris Winterhalter. Chris, hello. Hey, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, of course, and excited to speak with you. Um, you know, For the best-ever listeners, Chris has a tremendous amount of real estate experience, both from a single-family standpoint, but then also from a multifamily and even hotel renovations. Currently, he's focused on multifamily acquisition and hotel construction. Um, his brief background... Uh, he's completed his company has completed nine major hotel construction projects totaling over 1,500 guest rooms and sounds like that that uh that number keeps going up and up uh, probably will be higher by the time we finish this show and he also owns his company owns close to 120 units. Uh, with multifamily units with no outside investors, and I know um, he's looking to you know, shift that and grow the business even more in 2014, and we'll talk to him a little bit about that. So with that being said, Chris, can you give the Best Ever listeners uh, a little bit more detail on your background and what you're focused on?
0: Yeah, so I, I've been investing in real estate for the past six years. Um, I started at the end of 2008. Um, essentially when Le- Lehman Brothers crashed, I thought it would be a good idea to invest in real estate and a- actually Lehman Brothers, um, filed for bankruptcy September 15th of 2008. So that was Monday. So we just had the, the six year anniversary there. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, we currently own about 118 apartment units. Um, and I also have a hotel construction company with my business partner, um, We've uh, we've bought and sold several dozen properties um, from the single family standpoint when we when we first got started in real estate um, and, and now we're, we're focused on multifamilies uh, multifamily acquisition and hotel construction like you said um, I've been investing in St Louis Missouri for the past six years. Uh, and now I'm tra- transitioning back to, to where I was born and raised in, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, so uh, we're excited to, to hopefully break in the market. Um, we will be breaking in the market by the end of the year. That's our that's our solid goal for Cincinnati um, and uh, to gain gain some strong traction there and start to build some roots back there.
1: And Chris, how did you – you being born and raised in Cincinnati and I know – uh, you recently moved to Chicago and just got married, so congratulations on that! On that, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> how How did you pick St. Louis? So I, after I graduated college,
0: I moved to California. Um, I I was always very entrepreneurial, and um, I knew I wanted to invest in real estate, um, but I thought I wanted to invest in California. And I thought that I just wanted to invest as um, just a side investment alongside my career, and so um, I, I spent a year uh, working in an uh, in, in inventory manager position for a third party third party inventory company. I was an operations management uh, major in, in college. And then I also spent all of my time researching about real estate. And so I started learning more and more about real estate. My goals started changing and what I wanted to do. Um, and, and eventually, um, I, uh, I made the decision to move to invest outside of California. Um, and I, I picked the St. Louis market mainly from my research, people I connected with, but mainly through just um, um, someone I connected with in California that was investing in St. Louis. Um, in, in hindsight, I, I probably should have picked Cincinnati, um, but uh, I, I developed a really good team in St. Louis. i had eventually end up moving there um, and, uh, and, and did, did quite well there. Um, ha- however, it's a similar market to Cincinnati, honestly. I mean, it has similar diversity of of employers Um, and it uh, it's a midwestern city slightly larger than cincinnati Um, but but i understood you know a a lot of uh, the similar metrics that the the city had Um, but uh, it uh, it it, it fared as well other than in the beginning when i when i first started doing doing things from a distance was was a struggle Um, and i know a lot of people That uh, that I've talked to in California and on coastal cities that that invest from afar, um, you know, they are they are very excited by maybe low price points or higher cash flows. But uh, there's a lot of things to consider, as I'm sure, you know, from investing in Cincinnati, um, you know, investing out of state. So, right. I do live in Chicago. I just got married, which is great. Um, my wife's here. She's an attorney and, and works downtown. Um, and now that I travel a lot because of the hotel construction company, Chicago is actually a pretty great city for me. I am a four hour drive from Cincinnati, four and a half hours, four hour, four and a half hours from St. Louis. Um, you know, I, we have two airports here, so I can fly back and forth to hotel construction projects. And I love Chicago. So centralized city. And and, and this is uh, I think this is working well for me. I do believe in, in setting roots in a market. And I thought about after I was in St. Louis for a year or so, I thought about changing to Cincinnati. And the reason I didn't is because I spent a lot of time building a team there. And, you know, once you start to set roots in a place, um, it's it's difficult to gain traction in another market without doing the same things, um, as, I'm, as I'm sure you've probably learned, Joe.
1: Yeah, it, it's so interesting because whenever I was, I have a very, it's very similar story because I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, and that's where everybody is investing, is <laughs> my hometown, Fort Worth and Dallas, and I'm investing in Cincinnati, um, and in yeah, I have I have a portfolio of single-family homes in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But I, at this point, man, I've got such a good team in Cincinnati and in Dayton that it just makes sense for me um, as long as the market makes sense uh, and, you know, the the type of investments that we're looking at to, to stick with the team that I have established. And then, you know, go, going to grow out in um, other markets like DFW and, you know, markets like St. Louis or wherever um but I I remember whenever I was first looking at deals and I had not identified a market yet I was uh, I was thinking man I don't care where the market is I just want to find a good deal and um that's not the approach I would recommend taking now that I've I've uh got you know some experience under my belt because the the market you know highly influences the type of of you know project that you have and the type of team members um that you you know you can you can create and um, you know kind of attract, and I think the relationships in this business are critical, and the more you establish the relationships and the track record because especially with uh, how hot a lot of markets are right now, you know, you're going to find the opportunities through relationships, and the stronger team members that you have and the more of a – um, well-known trigger puller that you are um, and someone who will close a deal rather than just kick the tires, uh, the more opportunities that you're going to be presented.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't agree more.
1: Can you give the best ever listeners an example of a type of construction job for a hotel just, just to kind of crystallize things in everybody's minds on what exactly you're, you do?
0: So we, um, last year we did a project in, in New York City. Um, it was 160 rooms. Um, we did, uh, essentially a full, full remodel on the rooms. So you go in and essentially go from flooring to paint to wall coverings to bathroom vanities to fixtures, um, to all the furniture, FF and E, um, from 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 start to finish so from from the liquidation process to the uh, to the punch list and signing off and turning them back over to the hotel um that that's kind of what we do in the guest rooms and then we also do full um gut renovations on restaurants bars public spaces oh. only for hotels um lobbies uh, meeting space um etc so Actually, the the space in in New York there wasn't there was not quite a the public space public space was quite
1: small as opposed of course to, it was
0: <laughs> of course they're making all their money on their teeny you know 150 square foot rooms
1: yes uh, uh, which you during your renovation made it seem like it was a thousand square feet rooms right. Exactly.
0: You have to open them up and, uh, you know, as, uh, as much design as you can integrate in to make that <laughs> 150 square feet seem like, like you said, a thousand square feet. So um, but um, so so the, the biggest key for us in the hotel construction business is speed. So we did that project in eight, I think, close to eight weeks from start to finish. Um, from construction start to finish, so that's that's really key. Uh, obviously, for hotels, room revenue is is their lifeline, and and so especially you know for multifamilies for sure, down units cost 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 money, but for for hotels, the second they get that, the room can be finished at noon that day, and they can have that room sold that night. Right, and so that's what's so critical. Um, and it's interesting that you know I I got into this business because my business partner um, and he has been doing it for over I think close to eleven ten eleven years and uh, he's done twice the amount of projects that, that we have done together um, and uh, it, it's really interesting that we became owners of real estate. Um, and now that we're also a contractor in real estate, because we can really understand the client's you know side of it and position with how much it actually costs them. By losing losing a floor for you know two weeks can cost a lot of money, and so we can help evaluate situations when we're making decisions um, to that that can help impact their their bottom line. So I think that's really helped you know our business and. You know, Our key has been to get in and out as fast as possible while maintaining quality, um, and so I, I think that's really worked all the way around.
1: Based on your experience in multifamily investing, hotel uh, construction and renovations, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Well, I definitely have some good advice wrapped around contractors, but I I would say um, financials are only as good as the person writing them. They're obviously subject to so much manipulation, especially in real estate. Um, Income producing properties fall into this category and apartments are probably the worst in relation to number manipulation, especially on smaller deals. Um, my, My advice isn't to learn the numbers yeah, you should understand the finance and the mathematics portion, but that doesn't really mean anything unless you understand the operations from back to front. Uh, so learning the op- operations, the acquisition, the disposition, the management and the rehab, I think once you have a basic basic grasp of the entire process, then then you learn and focus one piece of the business really well. I think once you do that, then you can take a look at those financials and and see which ones aren't worth the paper that they're written on and which ones make sense, or you can help you know change the financials and and do your own numbers to to suffice the deal because I think that's one of the the hardest things that people have uh, that that are people are faced with in starting with this business is you know dealing with and, and evaluating deals. I mean, so many times brokers give you deals that are not realistic, especially on the smaller deal side. So people looking at, you know, I would say deals under 50 units, but, you know, there's still some deals 50 to 100 um, where you, you you get numbers that are put together that are just completely inaccurate. And, and I'll give an example, um, just a um, basic example. But if you, you've ever seen a 10-unit building uh, that's advertised, um, 15 cap rate, right? What's interesting is that that 10-unit building that's advertised at a 15 cap rate, um, there's a, you know, 120-unit building, you know, advertised down the street um, at a 10 cap rate. And uh, what's interesting is that they're actually, they, they look similar, you know price per unit, unit uh, mix, unit rent, is is very similar price points. Um, How is that 10 unit more efficient than that 100 unit building? It's not, it's the person putting the numbers together. Um, And so I I think that really tricks people when, when they start to get into real estate, they just don't fully understand what it takes to operate a property properly.
1: I love that advice, don't learn the numbers, learn the operations, because we can look at the numbers, but if we don't have context for what they're supposed to be, then the numbers can be anything and it doesn't really matter. What's the best approach for an investor to learn the operations other than having their own management company and doing it?
0: you know, obviously there's a lot of examples, you know, somebody could, you know, if they want to be a real estate professional, then, then obviously they can, they can intern, they can work within one of those types of organizations to get that experience. They can, they can start small from a single family standpoint or a small multifamily and self and self manage, which I never did. And, and, um, I don't know if I want to do, but, uh, I think that's a really important piece of it, but they, um, they can, they can also decide, you know, get a taste so they can try to work alongside their property manager. Um, they can work alongside their contractor. They can work alongside their broker and spend more time with those people. Um, not necessarily, you know, dragging them down, but uh, working kind of alongside them within the deals that they do. And I think that. They can pick up a lot of the operation from that, and I think once they kind of see what what side of it that they really like, then they can dive into to one of those one of the pieces of the puzzle, um, and then learn that more and more, and make that a kind of a part of what they do in the deal. But what's interesting is, um, you know, from from an operation standpoint, there's a lot of large owner operators are management companies and i think that it's really important to notate that you know that's uh, that shouldn't be taken lightly and you can definitely hire management companies but you really still need to understand that piece of it because you can you can have management companies help underwrite the deal with you and go through it but at the end of the day it's your asset and uh, they are going to be managing it um, but they're in that business to make a profit for you and them so if, if you don't understand that uh, that piece of it, then your investment can can go downhill, or it cannot re- return the returns that you you know underwrote it as.
1: You piqued my curiosity, I'm sure the best ever, ever listeners curiosity as well, when you said you have advice around contractors too. What's a piece of advice about contractors?
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting. So you know I started. At the the end of 2008, and I was contracting out all the work. I, you know, I thought, and I've always been very detail orientated. So, you know, I stayed on top of the contractors and was traveling back and forth a lot. Stayed on top of them with, uh, you know, from from remotely had a lot of checks and balances in place, had all the contracts things written in. Um, but what I learned was that, uh, you know, that relationship is isn't always black and white. Yes, you should do everything you can to have everything written in the contract. But the most important thing you can do is manage expectations realistically. And what I gained from coming turning on the contractor side was really understanding that there's definitely two sides to the coin. And you need to communicate with that contractor up front as much as you can walking, visualizing, detailing, managing expectations, their expectations and your expectations to make sure that you don't set up the project for failure. We didn't have that many contractor problems. My first set of contractor problems, I, I learned quite a bit. And I think I probably would avoid those today if if I did that project over with, the, even with the same contractor. Now the contractor did have a lot of problems but I think the process could have been managed differently. And I I still think I did a good job at managing the process to a point, but things were written on paper that weren't necessarily fully talked about in detail walking across. There was things that were black and white. And ultimately, I was right via the contract, but, but that doesn't matter. So especially you have to know who your contractor is. You have to know what the project is. You have to know what you're paying. So you obviously pay for what you get, and sometimes you'll you'll get a contractor that will do a job for a lower cost, and the expectation won't be discussed thoroughly. Well, as the owner or the manager, managing partner, it's your job to make sure that those checks and balances are in place, that you are thoroughly talking about your scope of work, even if you have a project manager, that those things are being discussed um, with the contractor so you have as little – so you have as few problems as possible. There's always problems with construction, and, um, and when I first started, I thought that I could I could eliminate those problems by what I put in the contract, but uh, that's just not the case.
1: Projects are complex by nature and unique. And the last thing anybody wants to do – is to have to go to court and see who is right in the contract, because at that point, it's a lose-lose situation.
0: Yeah, I, you, you know what? We, we've had issues um, where they probably could have been taken to court, but they were not worth the money. I mean, going to court is, is so costly. It's, it's a huge waste of resources and time, opportunity loss. And at, the, and at the end of the day, even if you get a judgment, it doesn't mean you're going to be paid and And so obviously there are times um, to get lawyers involved, but generally nobody comes out ahead
1: right well that's that's good advice uh, for both the you know, high level when evaluating really any investment, whether it's apartments or hotel or uh, if it's a, a duplex or a single family home it's you know don't don't know don't learn the numbers, learn the operations because there's going to be operations side of things regardless of what you purchase, and then from very specific tactical level, you know the contractors and managing expectations realistically with them and knowing that you obviously need things in black and white. But more importantly is the relationship that you have with the contractor, setting expectations and knowing what the expectations in their head are of how the black and white text is interpreted in their mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, it never I mean job walks need to be very clear. I mean, going over, sitting down with a contractor, or having your project manager sit down with them and go over line item by line item the scope of work and talking that out in detail. I, you know, every time I feel like my you know my scope of works are so detailed, I I find out that they needed to be you know they could have been even more detailed. And so you know we refine those to a point where when you work with a new contractor or subcontractor, they're like, wow, this is extremely detailed. But I mean, it's beneficial for both sides, definitely.
1: All right, Chris, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. All right, let's do it. What's the best ever book you've read?
0: Uh, that's a tough one, but I will say Switch by Dan and Chip Heath. Um, it talks about making changes in business and life, um, kind of focusing on on the solutions and mimicking those solutions. Um, that's kind of broad, but uh, it's, it's worth a read. It, it can help you with essentially anything in life for making change and solving problems. Oh, okay. I
1: like that. Not, not a real estate
0: book, but you didn't say real estate. So.
1: It's like, yeah, oh, it best, best ever book you've read. Doesn't have to be real estate. <laughs> best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it.
0: Um, well, I I would probably say the first time I failed with the contractor and we, we kind of talked about that. Um, and I learned that uh, managing expectations is one of the best things you can do in your life. And, and, and I also learned... You need to make sure that all every single one of your contractors is properly insured, um, properly licensed, um, and that it's important to set up processes to make sure that that happens every time. It doesn't matter if you're hiring somebody for $100 or if you're hiring somebody for a $100,000 project or a million-dollar project. Making sure you have those systems in place to make sure that you have all the proper information for those contractors Make sure insurance is uh, is current and that their licenses are current it is is extremely important.
1: Best ever success habit you practice?
0: Goal setting, both personally and professionally. I would say I one of the best things that I started doing in
1: 2007, and I've done it ever since. Best ever deal you've done?
0: I would say. The easiest deal with the quickest return was a a wholesale deal that I did when I first started out. And it was a listed deal, um, single family. It was a distressed property that was going to be leveled for a new construction home that was bought by a builder in a really nice area. And I had found it on the MLS and had just kept at it for like, like probably 12 months Eventually they accepted an offer and it was a local bank that held the mortgage. And we actually did a short sale. It wasn't a short sale process because it was a local bank. They just signed off on it. And I think we made, I think it was like $20,000 or a little more that we made on the flip around that amount. And uh, all it took was just, uh, you know, continued offers about every three months. But the, the probably the largest and the most creative deal was the the last deal we did was a 64 unit apartment complex.
1: And what are the details on that?
0: We, we came in and structured the financing um, with the sell at 10% seller second. Our local bank that we had an excellent relationship with came in and allowed us to be in the deal with only 10% down. We also got a, a, a $250,000 construction loan on top of that. And we still only needed to be in the deal slightly more than 10%. They, on the construction loan, we had to put down 20% on the, on, on the construction loan. But uh, they they structured it for kind of the the after repair value of of the project. Um, And uh, we were able to be in the deal with with little down, and it it still made sense. A lot of times, you know, you see a seller second type deal or a leverage deal like that, and the numbers don't make sense. Um, But it it ended up working, and and, uh, right now we're just uh, under the construction phase and, and lease up and rent readies.
1: Is that one in St. Louis?
0: It is, yeah. Best ever quote. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face by Mike <laughs> Tyson. Wait, what, what is that again? <laughs> Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Uh, it's a Mike Tyson quote, but it applies so beautifully to business. One other quote that uh, I read from my, my wife read on our honeymoon. She was reading a, a book, I think it was called... Um, the dance with the Brazil's dance with the devil kind of talks about uh, the uh, everything that happened from bringing the World Cup down and the Olympics down and kind of the sacrifices. And there's a quote in the book. It said, "Statistics are like a bikini. They show so much, but they hide the most important parts."
1: <laughs> when you were in Brazil, have you ever had a a desire to look at properties internationally
0: definitely definitely um that's that's on the long-term goal list and i would i would love to develop a historic hotel in havana when cuba opens up hopefully one of these days Uh, i think that would be one of the real one of the coolest things would be to redevelop a, a historic hotel in downtown Havana, um, and be one, you know, one of the first kind of boutique brands there or latch onto an, you know, an international brand presence. Um, but I think that would be, that, that's one of my goals, but yeah, Brazil was really interesting with real estate too. They're, they, they're in a bubble right now. They've seen like three, 300% price, um, inflation. They've, uh, appreciation. They've, they are in a bubble. Definitely. It, it's happened quickly too.
1: Chris, what's the best ever place to reach you? Um, you
0: can call me at 513 505 1002, but email's probably the best, and it's Chris, C H R I S, at renovated4u.com, and that's all spelled out, so renovated, F O R Y O
1: U.com. And I'll put your website. Uh, on the, the show notes, but what is your website?
0: So uh, we're, we're in transition. So we're, we're building a new hotel uh, website called HotelRehabs.com. It's kind of our new branding for the hotel company. Um, and then we're also in the process of, of changing our real estate webpage. So, um, Right, right now you can check out hotelrehabs.com, Depending on when they're listening to the show, our new site might be be up, and that kind of will talk about our hotel construction company. Um, and then we're still kind of working on what our new domain will be for our real estate company.
1: Nice work on securing hotelrehabs.com. I know home. that's a that's a great URL for your business.
0: Yeah, I, I was I was very happy. We bought it many years ago, and we we haven't done anything with. Uh, with the domain, and I thought it was time for a rebranding. So,
1: well, thank you so much, Chris. Really appreciate you know all the, the experience, insight that you gave, and you know you're you're living and breathing this stuff, and you know growing like crazy with your hotel renovation business and multifamily acquisitions. And really appreciate the time that you took to speak with uh, me and the best ever listeners. Yeah,
0: Joe, I really appreciate you having me on the show. It was great talking to you, and uh, I hope to hear about some new new deals in the future that you have going on in Cincinnati. I know you're working on a few things.
1: Well, I hope to hear about those as well. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to you later, Chris. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Joe. Bye.